to She Who Overcomes, the podcast where we help you transform your life, leadership, and career. I'm Mandy B. Anderson. And I'm Rachel Perman, and we are your hosts. We believe that what you've overcome makes you a leader. With a little help from two experienced coaches, that's us, you'll find the clarity and direction that you need to rise up, lead well, and live with intention. You were born to be an overcomer. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. Hey, Overcomers, welcome back to the She Who Overcomes podcast. We have a great show for you today and a topic that is really going to help you out because we all probably tend to struggle with this from time to time, and that is self-sabotage. Absolutely. I don't think there's probably anybody listening that hasn't once self-sabotaged something in their life or career. Yeah. And we're kind of framing this as self-sabotaging your leadership and your career or business goals. But for those of you who are creative and maybe you want to be a writer or you are a writer, you can self-sabotage your creativity as well. So keep that in mind as we're going through this. And we're really going to give you two ways that you self-sabotage. And they might not be the things you normally hear. Maybe one of them will be. But one of them is definitely a... A way that we don't really dive into as a culture. No. We don't really like to look at it. And so we're going to dive in with that one first and just get right to business. How does that (laughs) sound, Rachel? I think that sounds great because I think this is going to be a good episode for people. So we don't want to put a lot of fluff in the beginning. Let's get right to the good stuff. Absolutely. So the first way that you might be self-sabotaging your goals is by holding on to the holy cows. That's probably not a term you've heard before. Right? What so what, what is, what's a holy cow, Mandy? What is a holy cow? Well, it's like this. So in the Old Testament of the Bible, there's this story of Moses and the Israelites. And Moses goes up to this mountain to talk to God. And he ends up being gone way longer than anybody had anticipated. So while he's up there, the Israelites ask Moses's brother Aaron to make an idol for them, for them so that they can start worshiping that idol instead of worshiping God. And Aaron like completely caves into peer pressure and he makes the people this idol of a golden calf. And then they bow down and they worship this idol and when Moses comes back down from the mountain, first of all he's like super excited because he's spent time with God. So he's He's like radiating this this time with God, but then he finds out that his people have been idolizing this cow that they deemed as holy, and um, he gets furious at them for what they did. And the people insisted that this golden cow was holy, and they didn't want to get rid of it. And we do that in leadership and in business and with our creativity in ways that we don't recognize. Sometimes we hold on to holy cow type idols that hinder our success. Now, I do want to say, I know that we have people of all different religious backgrounds listening Mm -hmm. to this podcast. And so by no means are we um, trying to, uh, you know, downplay your beliefs or anything like that. We We are literally saying sometimes we take that holy cow type of reverence mm-hmm. and we put it 
towards something that is sabotaging our success. Right. And oftentimes it can be an actual literal object. When it I, can be. I was working at a church once. Um, and this does happen outside of church, but this is the funny example that I have. And there was somebody who I don't know, long dead, had <laughs> given the church the like um, some of the Christi- Christmas decorations that they used every year. And one of them was a really ugly nativity scene. But there were people in the church that insisted that it came out every year. So my pastor's wife at the time, she would hide pe- like the ugliest pieces of it. She would hide <laughs> them so that nobody could find them. And she was always like, we don't need no holy cows around here. And I, that was the first time I heard it like used in that mm-hmm. context where it's literally can be objects that you don't even know why it's here or, or things that we've yeah. done that we just do it because we've always done it. That's mm-hmm. a holy cow too. And I think that translates across all different mm-hmm. faiths, whether you have faith or not, that we can get stuck Yes. And things that are, you know, do it for habit's sake. Mm -hmm. And when you refuse to get rid of those holy cow type things, you keep yourself from growing. You keep yourself from stepping into new opportunities where uh, you can reach more people, you can grow your business. And a holy cow can be something like a logo. Mm -hmm. It can be a business name that is actually confusing to other people, but you love it. It can even be certain strategies that you refuse to modify in leadership or in the company, um, in management. Mm -hmm. And I would say that for writers, a holy cow can be keeping content that your editor or your publisher is asking you to change. Mm -hmm. And here's where it gets tricky because we've heard stories of people that really cared about keeping a a story um, the way that they have it. Mm -hmm. And you know, deciding to self-publish instead of going with with a publisher. Right. And it, it gets tricky because you've got to know how to discern if it's a holy cow or if it's a gut instinct that needs to be trusted. Oh, that's so true. And that can be really challenging. Yeah. Honestly, too, it, for some of this stuff, there's usually a ripple effect for getting yes. rid of a holy cow. It's never mm-hmm. just going to be you that it affects a lot of times. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure to just either, you know, do it right or just ignore it right altogether and not cause waves and not do anything with it. And I, it reminds me of, okay, so I'm like, I don't know how many years late to this party, but um, my kid and I have been watching Gilmore Girls mm-hmm. um, because I am late always for these kinds of Netflix parties. But anyway, um, it reminds me of how Lorelai's mom always has to bring out all of the stuff that their grandma has given them every time she comes to visit. Like she hates all of the gifts yes. and everything. Yep. And so they're never in the house. Nobody can ever see them. But when she comes, she has to come and grab all of this stuff and put it out there. Mm-hmm. And that really, I mean, we think of it as big things, but sometimes it's little behaviors like that mm-hmm. where we're accommodating. Um, sometimes you need to, but a lot of times you really don't. You can get mm-hmm. rid of these holy cows and clear up some space in your head um, yeah. to not keep sabotaging. Well, and I think, so that example of Lorelai, which mm-hmm. by the way, I love Gilmore Girls. I <laughs> used to watch it every Tuesday night with my mom at her house and we would make the delicious white popcorn with butter. It was mm. the best. Um, those were good memories. <laughs> it was also almost two decades ago that we did that. So you are very late I to the so party. I am so late. Like, like, I think we were in high school when probably the first start, season yeah. started coming out. Yeah. I think we were seniors. Or else we had just graduated. I can't remember. Because we we did this. My mom and I would watch it when we were in Fargo. Mm-hmm. So I don't have yeah, I am very late. Like decades up. late to yeah. this party. So, <laughs> fine. you know. <laughs> but I think that example is so interesting and, and spot on mm-hmm. because we can self-sabotage our confidence 
when we are holding on to those holy cows, when mm-hmm. we are keeping ourselves stuck into this this idolistic way of how we think other people want us to show up, need us to show up, expect us to show up. And when you're building your confidence and building your leadership skills, that can be a really challenging thing where all of a sudden you're wondering why you feel stuck and you're not moving forward. And it really can be something like, oh gosh, I have made this situation into a holy cow that I have to always make sure that I am upholding Mm -hmm. because without it, who knows what's going to happen. Right. And I would say sometimes even if you're not building your own business, but in like your career or you're moving into a new position or something somebody else has had before, there are sometimes holy cows that follow you. Right. Not necessarily ones that you have created, but I know, you know, if you're taking over a job for somebody, if you're volunteering in a position that somebody had done for years and years and years, and you know that there are things that are like, it, it feels like you're hitting your head against a brick wall. It's oftentimes going to be stuff like this where there are holy cows around you mm-hmm. that the person before you set in place and figuring out whether or not it's just something that you don't understand yet. Or if it's really that gut instinct that like, oh, this is sabotaging us. This is causing us to hold ourselves back, mm-hmm. to not be confident in, in what we want to do moving forward. And I think I think it can be really anywhere if you look at I it. I think it so, too. In your life, personally, mm-hmm. in your business, in your career, in your volunteer activities, anywhere. There can be these uh, holy cows just hiding mm-hmm. in the background, ready to like cause havoc and and make you feel not confident. So we tell this story about how we rebranded a couple years ago. And I think we finally finished that. Um, Yeah, two-year process, apparently. (laughs) We, our first company was called Big Blue Couch, and we did a fantastic job of branding everything to match that couch color and that concept and that feel. And then one day, I think you and I just woke up one day and we're like, we don't want to be the girls on the big blue couch anymore. Like we've kind of graduated into this next season of life mm-hmm. where that um, that whole identity doesn't really fit us anymore. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about that in a moment too. But <laughs> we decided to rebrand our company to something that had more of a leadership feel because big blue couch did not. No. And it was funny because when we when we started this, it started with we're going to rebrand an event. Yeah, that is really how it started. That is how it started after that. <laughs> and we said it out loud and we kind of chewed on it for a couple of days and about a week later, I I don't know if you remember this, but I can clearly remember us walking from the parking garage to our office space like around this time of year. Mm-hmm. And it was like this gray like snowless day and I remember saying, "Um so like do you think we need to change our company name? I do remember this. Do you remember like, this? Vividly, yes. And you were kind of like, um, yeah, I've been feeling that. And I was just hoping God would talk to you about that because I'm not sure. Some along well, the lines. And the funny part is like a week before we were, when we were talking to your husband yes. Nate about this, because he was part owner in Big Blue Couch. Um, and he, he was the up. one who brought it up. And Mandy and I both were like, um, absolutely not. Nope, we nope. will rebrand everything else, but we will not Mm -hmm. rebrand the name and we will not rebrand the logo. But it was like, it took somebody who was having a hard time understanding how our company could grow into a new arena Mm -hmm. with the current look, the current feel. Um, It took somebody brave enough to say that out loud, right? right? (laughs) To two women who that really did become like almost our 
a sole identity was right. that job and yeah. what it looked like. And so for us, like after we said it out loud, we walked into the office <laughs> and literally it was like little tiny couch idols everywhere. I mean, we had that couch on coffee cups. We had it on signs. We had it on books. We had it on everything. We even had a Kleenex box holder. Yes. In the shape of a we blue didn't, couch from it. Somebody from gave a it client. to us as a gift, but... I mean, we had it everywhere. And so it was just like, it, it took us a moment to say it out loud. And one of the chapters in my book, She Who Overcomes, talks about how you need to be an overcomer. You have to face your idols. And so I had just started the She Who Overcomes podcast at the time. And I was I was reading each chapter as an episode. Oh, right. And yeah. I had just finished doing that episode about idols. And I remember walking in after we said it. And I'm just like, it's everywhere. It was like one of those weird movie scenes where it's like, I don't know, an Alfred Hitchcock thing or mm-hmm. something. And you just hear that music like, ding, ding, and it's like, <laughs> it's like zooming the in, like going in and out. Yes. In yes. and out to the little idols everywhere. <laughs> and it really was like, that became the logo and the symbol of the big blue couch itself became our, our holy cow mm-hmm. that was stopping us from even thinking right. about how to position ourselves differently. And it was a tough thing to admit, and it was a pretty easy thing to burn down. (laughs) This is true. It wasn't super difficult. Once we realized it, and then it was very challenging to rebuild from that point. It's Mm -hmm. been about a two-year process, and thankfully, there was a pandemic in the middle of that, so nobody really noticed. Right. That was (laughs) a weird blessing for us that everybody else was was struggling as well, so you didn't notice our mess as much. Maybe you did. But Maybe you, you did, anything. but you had your thank own you. mess. So thank you, gracious listener, for not, not right. for not telling us you can tell. But I think one of the things that we're coming back to now that we've kind of traveled this road of trying out different things within the leadership realm, we're coming back to the whole reason why we started our company, mm-hmm. which was to help women rise up, lead well, and live with intention. And those are leadership skills. Mm-hmm. And so it it took us facing our holy cow to get to the point where we could grow and we could try new things and realize, oh, this is what we love, but this is what we don't love. Mm -hmm. And be confident enough to step into this arena of owning the fact that we're in the business of making women into leaders. Right. So our question to you, when when you think about one of the ways that you self-sabotage your leadership or your career goals or your dreams or even your family goals... Mm -hmm. What are your holy cows? Like, take a moment to write that down. And then how can you address them and get rid of them? Right. It might also be something if you have a trusted friend or a really good, um, stable marriage, ask somebody. Because sometimes we don't know. Like, Mandy, I had no idea Mm -hmm. that it was going to be the name and the logo. What it really came down to was the most important thing to rebrand. We thought it was content. We thought it was Mm -hmm. the event. We thought it was all kinds of things. And it turns out that was the holy cow. And we mm-hmm. would, I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure if we would have come to it on our own without Nate kind of being like, hey, if you're going to do this, right, you should do it this way. And we're like, yeah, no, I don't think so. And then seven days later, we're like, yeah, tear down. You guys, literally, I think that's when we started tearing down signs mm-hmm. that day, even though we weren't quite sure what we were doing next. But it was like the couch was following you mm-hmm. in our office. It was, it was. everywhere. We had to take it down. <laughs> And so it is so important to ask yourself that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to ask yourself. And then once you have the answer, either because you are well aware 
or somebody else points it out to you, it's okay to sit on that for a little while. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do something about it that day. Right. But start thinking about what would it mean if I was willing to get rid of that holy cow? Mm -hmm. What would my life look like? What would my business look like? What would my leadership look like? And write down those ideas because Mm -hmm. that's one of the ways that you stop self-sabotage is by giving yourself permission to brainstorm new ideas and possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. So the second way that you might be self-sabotaging is it literally builds on the first one. Like these two often might go together. Mm -hmm. Uh, They did for Mandy and I, for sure. So the second way is um, attaching your identity to your business or your leadership title mm-hmm. or whether or not you have a lack of a title sometimes is, right. is part of that too. We often can identify ourselves by our jobs, by our titles, by you know what it is that we're building, but it does lead to self-sabotage because turns out your identity is not your job. So if nobody has told mm-hmm. you that, it's true. Your identity is not your job. It is bigger than that. It's not your business. It's not the thing you've built. Like, you know, you're creating your own little baby and, and, and this is yours and nobody else can touch it and nobody else can do anything with it. Like that gets kind of dangerous mm-hmm. as a mindset to be um, so wrapped up in what your identity is because of what you've built or mm-hmm. what you've created or what you do for a living. I was listening to this podcast episode a couple of weeks ago by Pastor Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church. I think it was the one um, called Building Your Confidence mm-hmm. or Building Confidence, something borrowed confidence. Maybe that was it. I think that's that's it. And he was talking about how when your confidence is in your job or your identity, then when you lose that, like, what do you, all you have left is who you actually are. And he was talking about how so many people over the course of the last year because of the pandemic have been in that spot Mm -hmm. where it's like everything has been stripped away and now they're finding out who they really are and do they like that? Right. That's the next. Right. Are you okay with who you are? (laughs) Right. So one of the ways or some of the ways that you can kind of detach yourself from that work identity is make sure you have a hobby and a life outside of work. Mm -hmm. We often talk um, about balance around here, but we we teach balance a little differently because it's never mm-hmm. going to be like an equal amount of time in every area of your life. And then magically, you're going to feel balanced. We really teach it from an energy um, standpoint and, mm-hmm. and making sure that emotionally you're feeling balanced. So even if there's more happening in your work life and you can't concentrate on family as much or vice versa, making sure that you have hobbies and things that you do outside of your title of mom or wife, or business owner, or whatever title that you have, you've got to define yourself and your worth bigger than that. Mm-hmm. You know, And if you're not um, taking time off of work, investing in your personal relationships, you have no idea what fun is mm-hmm. for you, and you haven't done it since, you know, who knows when. Um, pandemic aside, a lot of people weren't having right. fun before that. Either. They weren't. We're not making it a priority to have fun and rest and make sure that our identity was bigger than just our business. And in the beginning, um, for Mandy and I, that was kind of something we did so that we didn't feel bad about the fact that we weren't making a profit yet, Mm -hmm. which is so normal in a business. You don't make a profit. Usually for years, you don't make a profit. So one of the first things we ever did was give each other a title. Mm -hmm. And in a way it worked, um, but also they started to be a hindrance after a while because the title kind of made us feel like we were successful and you could let things slide when you Mm -hmm. feel successful. But on paper, it didn't look like that. Right. Yeah. And I would say our titles now are 
because they help us identify our job descriptions. Mm-hmm. So like Rachel is the CEO and I'm the the CCO, the chief creative officer. And so it's a way for us to remember which tasks mm-hmm. we are each in charge of and, right. and how we are uh, delegating those according to our actual talents and skills, mm-hmm. which that was not how we did it before. <laughs> no, we just we literally just would Google different titles right. to give ourselves so that we felt better. And honestly, most of the titles we gave until a few years ago when we did, you know, started really getting clarity on what Rayma team was gonna look like, none of it made any amount of sense. I mean, I had mm-hmm. the title of president, which if you look that up in a company, it's really the one that's not like you're not really sure what you're doing. You end up right. doing a lot of things because if you have a CEO and a president, mm-hmm. that's kinda how it is. Right. Usually they're like interchangeable. Right. And honestly, Mandy and I interchange our titles quite a bit, but honestly, it comes down to the delegation. Mm -hmm. You know then which one of us is in charge of what, which one of us will be, you know, checking in to make sure projects under that that heading are getting done. Mm -hmm. But it's not where our identity comes from. Like, I don't walk around telling people like my title and all of the things as if that's the way that I identify. Yeah. And we've even gotten to the point where our bios don't even say our titles in the company. We've gone back to the idea of we're co-founders mm-hmm. simply because, I, I don't know, man, I think you can really attach your identity if you are always sharing that title first. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think I think co-founder for us kind of works because it really does put, um, it puts it on kind of an even mm-hmm. playing field where we still have 100% like invested and responsibility mm-hmm. in this company, no matter what the title turns out right. to be. Yeah. So how can we um, help our listeners kind of get some clarity on this particular way of self-sabotaging? Okay. So here's two questions to think about. Um, how has your identity been attached to your work? And if we've got he who overcomes listening, guys, I want you to dig into this. This is sometimes mm-hmm. more of a male problem than a female problem when it comes to identity and work. So if you are listening to this and you're a guy, ask yourself these questions, like Mm -hmm. for real, because you're probably thinking, oh, no, that's just like a female thing. It is not. Mm -hmm. Um, Your guys' identities are often tied to your titles. So dig into these. And then the second one is what will you do to change this? Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. Learning how to overcome your self-sabotaging mindsets and habits really requires you to build the skill of resilience. And resilience starts with a choice. And I want to talk to the ladies for a moment here. Guys, if you're listening to this and you need help, contact us and we can work one-on-one. But ladies, we are uh, relational community building beings. And we have been like yearning for that over the last years. So here's the thing. Resilience starts with a choice. And when life gets hard, it really can be easy to get angry, to get angry at yourself, maybe at God, at the universe. Um, You might even find yourself wondering, gosh, didn't I already learn this lesson? Or why is this happening again? I keep rounding this same mountain again and again. But here's the thing, gals. that That is exactly the moment that you have a choice to make. You can choose to stay angry and bitter. You absolutely can. Or you can choose to no longer be a victim to your circumstances and rise up as the resilient overcomer you were born to be. And here's the thing. You might be taking it one day at a time. You might be sad and a little disappointed to be walking through a familiar season again or a hard season that you never expected, but you're not a victim at all. And it is okay to feel both 
the emotions of sadness and excitement for something new. You almost need both because mm-hmm. if you only, you know, you only look at the sadness and sometimes sometimes these kind of podcasts can kind of like, they're a little like, ooh, that was a little tough to right? listen to. Or like, oh my gosh, how many holy cows do I have? But honestly, it's time for all of us to really grab onto our strength and tenacity. Mm-hmm. Like there's probably things that you can think of even just last year coming into your life that you don't want to be around it anymore. Like that is a holy mm-hmm. cow that needs to go. So I want to invite you guys. If you are a woman and you are listening to this podcast and you're like, I need something right now, we are launching our brand new coaching experience for women. We have not done one for years, like at least three, Mm -hmm. I think, since we've done this kind of a program. And it's called the She Cultivates Resilience. And we're going to be teaching seven leadership principles that you need to know so that you can develop, improve, and refine your abilities to adjust and to recover from adversity or any major life change and, and we all have adversity mm-hmm. and major life changes that are happening. It's also a great way to kind of work through anything that you have discovered by walking through the questions we gave you on the holy cows and ways you might be sabotaging. So it's time to step in the shoes of a resilient woman, and we're going to guide you all along the way. Sessions begin May 12th, and registration is open right now. We've got virtual and in-person spots, so if you're within the Bismarck area. And Mm -hmm. if you are like, I want to get out of this house once in a while, we do have virtual and um, live spots. We are going to be following all guidelines Mm -hmm. that we need to for COVID, keeping everybody safe. Um, But there will be spots for you to come and work with Mandy and I face-to-face. So your registration includes hardcover book that is actually your curriculum and also a hardcover journal that's going to supplement what you're learning in class. It's the first time we are doing hardcover books for you guys, both virtual Mm -hmm. and live. Get a book, get two books um, for this. And we have, mm, I'm not even sure what our spots are at right now, but they're very limited. You guys, we have 10 spots only. Um, Technically we have nine spots only as of today. We're recording this for, yes. And we have 10 spots for in-person. Right. 20 women all together. Yep. So if you're listening to this, hurry. Hopefully when you're listening to this, it's not sold out already. (laughs) But um, if you are, you can email, if it is sold out, you can email us and and we'll get you on a wait list Mm -hmm. for the next time around. But Register today at www.raymateam.com. That's R-A-Y-M-A-T-E-A-M.com. And we really want to remind you that the hard parts of your life and career are making you a leader worth following. So we really can't wait to work with those of you who are going to be in the She Cultivates Resilience Coaching Program with us. So that is our show for this week. Stay tuned because next week we have another exciting topic to kind of coach you on through this show. So until next time, may you rise up, lead well, and live with intention. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. Before you go, would you mind doing us a favor? We would love to hear your takeaways. So please leave us a review and a comment. You might just hear your name in a future episode when you do. This show is produced by Rayma Team Media, a division of Rayma Team LLC. If you'd like to learn more about how you can work with us, visit raymateam.com. That's www.raymateam.com. All right. Our coffee is cold, so we gotta go. See you next week.